The fourth chapter of the book of Exodus, Sefer Shemot, book of names, continues the story of the third chapter. In the third chapter, God appeared to Moshe and uh, instructed him to go back to the land of Egypt. He's presently in the land of Midian, taking refuge from Paro, to go back to Egypt and to take the people out of Egypt. And then as God continues to speak in chapter 3, God says that in verse number 17, so the plan is to take them out of the place of Egypt, the place of suffering, place of Inui, to the land of the land of Canaan, Canaan Yechiti Amori, and this land is described in chapter three as a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the plan, and Moshe throughout chapter 3 and chapter 4, continuing in our chapter, raises questions about his ability, his worthiness to perform this task. He has all kinds of questions, beginning with, who am I? Mi anochi, he says in chapter 3. Who am I to speak to Paro? Who am I to take the people out of Egypt? And each time he raises a question, God is responding. The response in chapter 3, verse 12 was, Vayomer ki imach. I will be with you, says God. Ot ki and this is the sign that I have sent you. When you take the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Whether the service of God refers to standing before God at Sinai, because Moshe is at the snare, Sinai, whether it refers to standing at Mount Sinai, which happens in chapters 19, chapter 20, or whether it refers on the instructions to build the tabernacle, to build the Mishkan, is a question. Perhaps it even refers to both. But actually, what's very strange is, what kind of a sign is this? A sign typically is something that happens now, a sign about the future. But in this verse, which is chapter 3, the oath, the sign, seems to be something that will take place in the future. When you take them out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. According to some commentaries, Rashi amongst them, the sign refers to something that's already happened, namely the burning bush. This burning bush, this sneh, which Moshe encounters in the beginning of chapter 3, this is a sign in fact. God interprets the sign. The sign is that someday you'll come back to this very same place. And at Sinai, in the occurrence of Sinai later in the book of Exodus, there's not a small burning bush, but there's a great fire. The fire representing in the book of Exodus, Revelation, God's presence. This, that, this which you have already experienced, says God to Moshe, is a sign. That is the sign. That when you take them out of Egypt... You're coming to this place again, and there there'll be a much greater uh, revelation, a public revelation, not just to one person, not just to you, Moshe, but to the people. That's one way to read this verse. It's a difficult verse. I mention this because I have chapter 4. In chapter 4, the conversation continues, and after God has given Moshe all the instructions, including telling Moshe not to expect immediate success, 
You're going to go to Paro, says God, and say to Paro, let us go for a three-day journey into the desert to bring sacrifices to God. Verse 18 of chapter 3. Fani odati, and God says to Moshe, I know. I know he's not going to let you go, not even with a strong hand. And I will visit many plagues upon Egypt, many miracles, wonders, then he'll send you out. So God is warning Moshe that it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be an immediate success. Chapter 4, Moshe, having been told about the plan, says to God, Vayan Moshe they won't, The people won't believe me. They won't obey me. They will say, God has not appeared to you. They will doubt whether God, in fact, appeared to me. And in response to, um, in response to that, uh, to that concern, God says to Moshe, what is in your hand? Uh, Moshe says, a staff. Uh, so God says, what's in your hand? A staff, throw it to the ground, turns it into a snake. Then God instructs Moshe, grab onto the tail. And Moshe does so, it turns back into a staff. That's the first sign that God gives Moshe. And the second sign is, put your hand in your bosom. And it comes out leprous or white. Put your hand back in your bosom. And it turns back to the natural state of healthy flesh. So God is giving Moshe signs, but there's something about the signs that's very interesting. They have a negative cast to them, something turning into a snake, Moshe turning into a leper. So it sounds like God is not pleased necessarily with Moshe's requesting signs. God has already told Moshe, it's going to be all right. I give you the instructions. And in fact, I've given you a sign. Why are you asking for more signs? On the other hand, God does not say, I refuse to give you signs. God uh, is conceding to Moshe. God is allowing Moshe uh, to negotiate and agreeing with this. We have a negotiation. And uh, after all that is said and done, and God says, if those two signs don't work, there'll be a third sign. The water of the Nile will turn to blood. And then God uh, has given him the signs. In verse 10 of chapter 4, Vayomer Moshe Hashem Adonai. I am, says Moshe to God, uh, one who does not speak well. Whether he can't find the right words, whether he stutters, it's not clear what it means, but he has difficulty in speech. I'm not a good talker. To which God responds to Moshe, who has, Who's the master of speech? Who has put a, a mouth in the human? Is it not me? Go now. I will help you, I will guide you. I will tell you what to say. To which Moshe says, 
Shlachna biyad tishlach, which roughly translated means send somebody else. Send whoever you will send. I'm not the right person for the job. Moshe has made, raised many questions, and every time Moshe raises a question, God responds and says, I'll take care of it. At the end of the day, Moshe is refusing to go. So what it means is, firstly, that the different objections that Moshe raises, presumably, are not really what's bothering Moshe. I think the text suggests that something else is bothering him. The very mission disturbs him. Fundamentally, as I mentioned uh, in the previous chapter, he was forced to leave Egypt one way or the other because the people, the Jewish people, openly spoke about what Moshe had done, perhaps even informed upon him, possibly. He's very happy where he is, and he's met a person that he really connects to, which is his father-in-law, the priest. He has a wife, he has a family, he's safe. Why go back and save people who have openly expressed their mistrust, their distrust, and the lack of respect for me? So perhaps that's what's really bothering him. God has answered all the individual uh, questions, but the larger question is unanswered for Moshe. Why do it? And God's uh, response now is to say to him, okay, your brother Aaron, he'll go with you. I know he can talk. And he's happy to do the job. So go with your brother Aaron. There'll be two brothers. He'll be the talker, he'll be the speaker. He's one of the people. You will be his guide. And take with the staff with which you will perform the uh, wonders, the miracles. What I would suggest over here is two things. First of all, that we have a negotiation in which God, it would appear, is in a corner. There is only one person who can actually go back and save and take out the Jewish people, and that's Moshe, because Moshe is the only one who both has demonstrated in the text his sense of fairness, of equity, whether it's two Jews or Jew and non-Jew or two non-Jews, he intervenes on behalf of the aggrieved party. Second of all, Moshe has said about his own experience, Ger he understands that he was a stranger in the land of Egypt. He understands that Egypt fundamentally and the culture of Egypt is not his place. So God, is, in a sense, is in a bind, and therefore we have a negotiation in which God makes certain concessions. Uh, one concession, of course, is the miracles. God did not want Moses to go with miracles. God wanted Moses to go, as God says in chapter 3, I will be with you. Go in faith. Trust me. I will guide you. But Moshe, at this point in his career, is unable to do that. He also feels that he's not relating to the people. He needs another person to talk. And what God said to him basically was, if I wanted a talker, I wouldn't have chosen you. But Moshe insists. And since Moshe is the only appropriate candidate, God makes another concession. Your brother Aaron, I know that he can talk, which in this context I don't believe is, a, is positive. In other words, God didn't want the talker. God makes the concession. I would add in uh, looking at this chapter and the previous chapter together, it's one uh, negotiation, that when God called Moshe Moshe at the burning bush, by Yomro Hineni, Moshe said Hineni. Hineni means here I am, I will do your bidding. And it's very important to remember that even before 
we have the entire negotiation. In a sense, Moshe has already agreed to go. That's the, that's the force of Hineni. At the end of the day, he agreed from the first moment to take on this mission. Yes, it's a difficult mission. Yes, it's one that he might have preferred not to take on. But somehow, somewhere inside Moshe, even from the very beginning, is a sense of commitment. And when God said, Moshe, Moshe, in chapter 3 at the burning bush, Vayomelo Hineni, I accept.